Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my beautiful babes. Welcome to the gorgeous Chatting with Chorley podcast. I'm your host, Miss Diane Chorley. In the background, tinkering away, you can hear the beautiful Milky. He's doing all the bits and bobs, and we'll be doing a little gorgeous song together later based on the beautiful little chat I'm about to have with my very special guest. Now, we've had a bit of a tricky past couple of days because my agent, Hazel, well, she was feeling a bit insecure, and then she went down to the fella what stands behind the quick fit and does his bleeding plastic surgery what they call it bleeding botox she came knocking at the door last night 10 past seven. Oh my goodness me she looked like a paddling pool i don't know what they put in her face but there was steam coming off it i thought she'd learned a lesson when she went down to slovakia to have that dental care done to her teeth they put bits of bleeding tile in there oh my god when she opened her mouth she looked like a wishing well no she just goes for the cheap deal all the time and that's the problem but i'll tell you what hazel don't worry you look back to normal in no time i know at the minute you look a bit like an empty bag but soon you're going to be beautiful all right then let's carry on with the show my guest today is truly one of the most creative, prolific and unique recording artists we have in the UK today. She's been sharing her music with the world since she was 16 years old and her most recent album, Song for Our Daughter, established her as one of our most cherished songwriters and artists and, to be honest, a bloody musical icon. She lives in a beautiful little treehouse in Epping Forest and if you leave a little sauce from Horlicks outside her trunk, she'll come down and she'll give you a little serenade. I know Milky went down there and she did him deeply dippy and he said it was bleeding beautiful. Now, anyone who's seen her doing her bit, keeping up the morale in the great big lockdown of 2020, will know she's ever so fond of a roll neck and a little sheepskin rug. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm absolutely bleeding over the moon to welcome to the Cobpast the wonderful Miss Laura Marlin. Wow, what an intro. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? Did a little special one for you because you're bleeding gorgeous. You look bleeding, honestly, like a little cherub that's fallen off the oh. the roof of the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it looks quite golden. It looks like quite golden. You're talking to us from your studio, aren't you? You've got a nice little golden hue in there. Is it gold? I do. My studio, I just, it's, um, I painted it kind of like a earth brown. So, no, it's not gold is the short answer. It's okay. Brown. Well, you could, you know, I've got... You won't hurt my feelings if, you, if you're honest to me, Laura. Just tell me, say no, Diane. It's brown. <laughs> it's earth brown. Namaste. Just say, it's earth brown, Diane. Namaste. And I'll understand from the start. Now, this is gorgeous having you on because I know that, you know, you ain't, I wouldn't say you're the most, well, you, you never do much, do you? Like in the public eye, you never come on nothing and, and do many things. Now, that ain't a bad thing because some people like their privacy. But, you know, I don't know if it's changed a bit maybe, but do you feel like you're coming a bit more, you know, Having a bit more of a public presence? Um, well, I'm doing it for you, Diane, because we're pals, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, we go way back, don't we? Yeah. I used to, you know, as your wet nurse. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that bit out. Obviously, I weren't a wet nurse. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a like wet that. nurse. For the record. 
something like, like that. that. Yeah, of course. But we do go way we back go on way back. it. Um, yeah, I think I am a little bit easier front facing these days. Yeah, a bit older. Mm. Why is that? Do you think just just time? Just time. I don't care so much. Maybe. In a good yeah. way. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Because you did do your little lockdown live sessions, your little guitar lessons. They were absolutely gorgeous. They had a, ever so popular. I watched one or two myself. I tried to have a little strum along, but you know what my fingers are like? Sticks to Bongella. It was awful. But Milky, you watched them. Oh, did yeah. you? You watched them every night, Milky. Honestly, I'd often come over, come up to his room, and he'd be hunched over his computer with a picture of you on there. Oh, crikey. Did you, did you learn anything? Practising his strum. No. He's, he's shaking his head, no, because he's, he's, well, he's... It just takes a little while, you know, to to get it to get it in there. But if you, you know, maybe you could give them a lesson in person one day, Laura, if if you're that way inclined. If you're feeling charitable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure, yeah. Very non-committal, very non-committal, <laughs> but fine. So <laughs> the beauty of it is you doing all this live thing is that we start to see a little bit more of the of the gorgeous Laura Marlin because I think a lot of people in the past haven't well they haven't known because you started at a, a very young age and you were just 16 years old. That must have been quite hard going in the public eye when you were just 16, and being a, a young woman as well, going into the public eye then. What was it like? Did you get shielded from all that or were you, were you forced to go into it, you know? Um, I, uh, I sort of wasn't aware of it in a good way. Like, you know, like a kid on a bike or something, you're not really aware of uh, what it feels like to hit the ground. And did you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I, was, I took myself out of school and started touring uh, the UK in a Ford KA. So it was great for me. I loved it. But, um, a four K, beautiful four K, yeah. my favourite car. <laughs> beautiful they are. So you toured the whole world on the whole of the UK on your own in a four. <laughs> the whole world in a car. Uh, yeah, well, I was with uh, I was in No in the Whale then, so I was doing back, backing vocals. Beautiful. And then what was it? So as a young woman, were you, you know, were you protected in the industry? Did they look out for you? What was it like? Was it a tricky time? Because we've seen all these documentaries coming out now, what with like Britney Spears and all that. And she had a pretty hard time. Have you seen that documentary? I haven't. I've heard all, I sort of get the gist. Yeah, she, she had it quite rough, didn't she? She had it rough. Yeah. I don't, I'm not expecting a horror story, yeah. Laura. I'm just, you Some know. Some salacious details. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want nothing like that, you know. I'm not in that side of the industry, I guess. No one was really, there's not really much to capitalise on in my world. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing no, really what you mean in like, you weren't really a party animal and all that kind of thing. I wasn't really a party animal. I'm not. I wasn't never in danger of making anybody that much money. I think that's probably the key point. So nobody bothered, mm. which is great. But that's you were like you. You won a Brit Award and things, so you were quite big and in the public eye quite a lot. And probably back then, I mean, that was the era of the Nokia thirty six ten. You know, everyone playing Snake, yeah. people drinking hooch, recording stuff onto mini discs. You know, back in those days, there was money to be made. I entered the year basically that mini discs went out of um, commission. And all of the digital music stuff started. I entered the music industry the worst possible time. And it, yeah, what was that? Was that, that about 2008? Yeah, I think that's when the like scale of physical musical music, people just stopped buying CDs. It was, it was over. Yeah. That was that, that was and how there. did you adapt to that? Did it make much difference to your career? As a folk artist, you must be out there playing live a lot. Yeah, I had to play, <laughs> I had to play a lot more shows. I make all my money from shows. Obviously, COVID's put a bit of a spin on that, but... Um, yeah, that's that's been my life. But I love touring. I'm really lucky. I, I and what's your preference? Do you go for a little travel lodge or do you go Premier Inn? What's your thoughts? Premier Inn. I mean, I don't want to sound like a snob, but I hope that my Premier Inn and travel lodge days are behind me because I've done a lot of them. Stayed in the mall. All right, lady. What are you? Hilton? You down the Hilton these days with all you can eat buffet? <laughs> I'll happily take a Hilton. Yeah, I'm not above. I'm not above a Hilton by any means. What would be your preference 
in terms of genre of an all-you-can-eat buffet? What are we looking at here? Are we looking at Chinese food, Indian food? Mm. What would you go for an all-you-can-eat buffet? Because these are the questions people want to know, Laura. Do you know what I'm I mean? This is, why they, this is why they tune yeah. into the podcast. They want the deep dive. They want the deep and gritty. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm pulling out of my guests. Salacious detail. Salacious detail. Exactly. <laughs> it's what they could have done with Noah back in the day. And then you'd have been all over the front of the Daily Mirror. God, uh, Laura Marlin eats a chicken nugget in the bleed, in the happy sun, in Soho. Oh, rib sauce all over her face. Oh, my God, she was the right old state. Can of two dogs 2020 in her pocket. Oh, my God, she was the nightmare. See, you let all this out too late, girl. You should have had me as you believe management. My Hazel, my manager Hazel. Oh my God, she'd have been winding me up like a monkey. She would have, she'd have been saying, oh, Diane, get out there. Drink it, eat it. She'd have had me all over the screen. I'd have been in every wimpy going. Honestly, having a Bender burger till my eyes went out. That's what happens back in the day. But that doesn't matter. And it's too late now. Those days are behind you, Laura. Just let them go. Okay, Laura, let them go. But you didn't answer. So let's have an answer, please, about the buffet. About buffet. Um, Milky actually once took a picture of me eating chicken nuggets at, you know, like a motorway service station sitting on a pavement. Did he? One of my, yeah, one of my finest moments. Well, I won't even ask what he was doing with you. He must have been moonlighting. And I'll <laughs> let the people at Universal Credit know that, Milky, I will. Cheeky pucker. That's absolutely disgusting. Forget that check next week. Get it, Milky. Now... <laughs> but se- um, seriously, Laura, okay, seriously. Yeah. You don't have to answer, but we'd like an answer on that, please. What would you like? Would you like a Chinese buffet Never. or an Indian buffet? It's up to you. I like the excitement of a Chinese option, especially on an Australian flight. I don't know if I you know. know what I mean by that. I'm not in that. I'm not suggesting anything. But sometimes if you fly through Hong Kong, you get a Chinese breakfast on the plane. And it's really fun. I've only ever flown Monacare. Yeah. To be honest, I'd be lucky yeah. if I got, as I said on probably a previous podcast, a panini. I'd be lucky if I got a panini on there, a boiling mm. hot panini that you take a little bite out of and a big old blister comes off the top of your mouth. Do you know what I mean? And then you're talking like that for a week, you've got a big old blister on your, on your mouth. And that's ever so difficult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, on a serious note, though, because I ain't just all here about the buffet food and all that malarkey. I want to know some serious stuff as well, and that's true. Now... When most people think Laura Marlin, they're like, oh, she's got a gorgeous voice. She's ever so beautiful. She's ever so... et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is, you are technically, okay, one of the best guitarists I think there is going. Okay. And it ain't just me no. that said that. You mm-hmm. know, a couple of famous people have said that about you as well. Some of the, you know, all the ones that the men would be like, oh, yeah, he said it. What's the one out of, what's his, Jimmy Page, that's it. Jimmy Page said you was, that he admired you as a guitarist. Does it get annoying? When people don't appreciate, you know, because that's it. That's the thing with folk artists, isn't it? It's like they're. It must irritate you. Um, what that people don't appreciate my yeah, your talent my as a guitar player, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> no one's buying CDs. The I'll truth is get, that yeah, the truth is. Obviously, I know that you're a big fan of mine, and, and I know that my seminal album "Open Toe Sandal" was a big influence on your songwriting and your career. That beautiful folk record I did back in the day but when I listen to your music mm. and I've really gotten you know and I'll be honest with you you know when I came out of prison I never heard of Laura Martin I didn't know who she was but then when I started listening and your most recent album was ever so popular and really beautiful now every album that I've listened to since yours I'll be doing my research and catching up on all of them to me mm. right I don't know what you feel about this you're a bit like a your songs are a bit like little Edinburgh shows 
Do you know what I mean? Okay, now, what happens with an Edinburgh show is you get these artists and they do loads of research for a year and then they put it all into a show. And then in the end of the show, you can kind of see this. You're like, oh, it's all in there, all the subtext and all the information. It's all in there. And then you see it as this one big, beautiful, gorgeous thing. Okay. And then you release it. Do you think that's fair? Do you think you write like that? <laughs> what about the album? I speak because I am. <clears throat> okay. That was about responsibility when it, of, of womanhood, right? So being a woman and what it was like to take up yeah. that space. Okay. Right. That's it. And I know there's lots of influences in there. I see, I see what there. you mean. Yeah. Then there was a Once yeah. I Was an Eagle. That was music in the era of 69, 72. And you said a lot about the, the masculine extension of the guitar. I get what you're saying. Now, yeah. also, you know, you have a lot of literary references, a lot of creative artistic references in there. It ain't just what it seems. It ain't just music is what I'm saying. You're like a little sponge. What you do is you take on all this information and then you make an album and it all comes out and it's in there and it's like, ooh, beautiful, gorgeous thing. Tell me if I'm wrong, Laura. I got you. No, no, I've, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on top of the metaphor now. I get it. Okay. I, I'm exactly like that. I have a subcategory in my emails called Magpie and I email myself stuff from books or newspaper articles and it is exactly that it's my sort of sponge of lots of things oh i want God, to remember that's, that's a gorgeous that's called journalism i'm sorry but that there's called journalism <laughs> do you hear that whoever's listening yeah, out there that's called journalism beautiful so let's take for example your most recent album song for our daughter which oh my god it's bleeding beautiful i mean everyone probably bleed, tells you that because it was it's just one of the most gorgeous things I've ever heard. I listen to it all the bleeding time. I'm sick of it. That's how much I've listened to it. Beautiful. Now, tell us okay. a bit about the influences behind that and and what was in the little magpie folder when you were writing that. For a long time, I've been thinking about this relationship between this poet and this psychoanalyst, and she had a very maternal influence on him, but also quite a sexual influence on him. So it's very psychoanalysis-y in that it crosses lots of uh, incestuous boundaries. Half time. And then it was also influenced by this Maya Angelou book called Letters to My Daughter. And then also kind of just watching the culture that, you know, there's such a shift in the way we understand what femininity is and things like that. And I think uh, we've been in a very interesting shift and I was trying to get my head around it a little bit. So it was Mm. all sorts of bits and pieces. Yeah. Because that comes out, doesn't it? And I know that all your references musically, they're quite masculine, aren't they? Mm. You're quite open about that. You speak about that a lot. And I think with you, I think gender is an important part of your work I don't, I don't want to sound like melvin bragg there but as a guitar player and someone's influenced as a guitar player but all the people you look up to as a guitar player are often men aren't they yeah yeah and especially in the industry in your world the music world and i think it's curious that you live alongside that and you've you know your career is burgeoning and you've you, it's become this wonderful thing and as of recently i really feel like you're getting the credit and the you know, the adulation you deserve, so to speak. But then always there's this subtext in there about womanhood and a competitiveness to manliness or what manliness represents and how it exists within that particular world of folk, which is part of the world that you're in. Is that, do you think that's true? I think, yeah, I think it's true. And I've done a little exploring of that on my own. I did a, po- I did my own podcast a couple of years ago called uh, Reversal of the Muse, which was all about trying to, understand the hypothesis or the thesis was would um you know would the music industry be influenced differently if it had more women behind the scenes and i think my conclude mm. the reason why i didn't follow that up uh it was an interesting experiment i spoke to lots of people in various uh, lots of women in various facets of the music industry 
The reason I didn't follow it up is because one, it's an unanswerable question. And two, I sort of gave up on that as a utopian ideal because I just don't think it is possible. You just can't have... What, because the patriarchy is too strong or...? No, I don't think... I think it's almost the opposite of that. The inevitable end point of that sort of thesis is, okay, let's have female-only studios or, you know, that's what it was becoming or that's where the conversations tended to lead towards. And I can't think of anything worse than a female-only studio, not because I don't love women, obviously, but because I rely heavily on the influence of male figures and... There is just an unknowable alchemy to men and women working together that can't really be fucked with, I don't think. You know, like, I made an album with Blake Mills a couple of years ago, who's an astonishingly good guitarist, probably one of the best living guitarists, and he said to me that the reason why he dedicated so much time to learning the guitar really well was to impress women, to impress girls, you know, when he was a teenager. And my inverse, and again, this is very psychoanalysis-y and sort of weirdly incestuous, but my reason to learn the guitar was to impress my dad. You know, Mm. that was my relationship to the guitar was intrinsically linked with a sort of paternal thing. And I think there's a reason in my experience that that does have a masculine quality to it. And the guitar is my sort of protection in a sort of masculine way, but it doesn't mean that I'm not inhabiting that masculine protection. That is part of my persona. Mm. And then I have a very one might call it a feminine vulnerability as well. And I think that's a very convoluted answer to your question. No, that's a bleeding beautiful answer and I adored it. I enjoyed it a lot. Now, the thing is as well, but what what about the non-binary? What exists between that? Because the world that you've just existed is pretty much influenced by either one of those binaries. But now we're actually going into a world where there's a lot of talk and discussion about a non-binary. So I guess... The answer to that question about the world that you were exploring is, well, what does the, the area between that look like? The influence of the non-binary on music and and culture and all of those things, because you're right, everything, all the big creative decisions or all the big creative movements are often inspired by the, the idea of the masculine and the feminine. It's an extraordinary idea, isn't it? Something to consider in the future. The non-binary, what does that mean? Because we live in a culture that's created by the, the binary. Yeah, totally. But I think what's rising up now is the fundamental non-binary nature that underlies mm. everything. You know, the idea of these extremes is sort of being collapsed into this thing that's always existed underneath it, which is the sort of fundamentally a non-binary mm. existence. And again, the woman, the psychoanalyst who I'm obsessed with, Lou Salome, she was sort of like an early queer theorist mm. in that way, in that she was sort of insisted on everyone's fundamental, the existence of a sort of fundamental bisexuality in everyone, and and without using those mm. exact words, a kind of non-binary like a yeah, transient. A transient, yeah, a subject in motion, constantly changing. And that's quite a heavy thing, because I know you're doing a little a, um, a gorgeous course on psychoanalysis now, aren't you? Because you're bleeding clever. It's just about enough to make me sick. So you're doing that now. And, of course, that is always about, very much about, and all the big, a lot of the big thinkers in psychology are always... You know, there always are men and there's, they're very much grounded in the idea of masculinity and, and femininity. And I think, you know, moving forward, it is an interesting world to consider, you know, the, the non-binary. I'm just saying that, but I don't know where I was going yeah. with that. So I kind of stopped at the end because I thought, Diane, stop it. You're talking rubbish. What aspect of non-binary in creativity? Well, mean? I think creativity, but in culture in general and the psychology, the idea that we're 
because we are born when you're young you're told you're either this or that and all of those labels have connotations that human mm. beings grow up with so the masculine ideology or the the feminine idea or you know the way you're supposed to think and this idea of bringing a human being up as being non-binary i think it's quite an interesting idea and i think it you know it must eliminate a few of those areas that are confusing for some people growing up you know it's like what what am i am i a man mm. or am i a woman like you are a female artist but you you absorb an elements or ideas of the masculine, but you you're intelligent and you challenge those binaries and those ideas. So you you take all those things on. But there's some people who naturally align or feel they have to align with one or the other because it feels right psychologically. Is what I think I'm getting at. You know, it's a what kind of world might we live in without yeah. the binary? Is what I was going for. But what I did was I took the idea, yeah, yeah. I put it in a big old bag, and I threw it in the river. And I just watched it float away. That's what happened. Okay, okay Laura, forgive me. <laughs> That's podcasting. That is podcasting. Isn't it? That's how it. we bleed and do it. So, you know, <laughs> that's it, basically. And that is all my thoughts on psychoanalysis. And the little sub podcast that I'll be starting called Psychoanalysis for Diane Chorley will be out on Asda Records <laughs> as of the 5th of June. And my first guest Wicked. is. The beautiful, wonderful Pauline Quirk. She'll be coming on to talk about non-binary, the ups, the downs of life at the Pauline Quirk Academy, where, as you probably know, Laura, I am a vocal coach. And I know there's a little job going there, should you ever want to partake. OK, you tell me and I'll have a little word with Pauline. OK, I'll have a little word with Pauline. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, the other day, gorgeous Milky, I just caught him with a knife. You're just about to put it in the toaster. I said, don't put that in there, Milky, you'll die. But on the radio, he had music playing. I said, oh my God. That sounds like a panic attack. He said to me, that's Laura Marley. He said, that's her album, Lump. I thought, what? You've got to be bleeding kidding me. That sounds like someone's having a nervous breakdown. Of course, the more I listened to it, oh my God, I fell in love with it. Never guess what? That Mike Lindsay, I know him. Oh, yeah. 
because he used to have a Saturday job down the Holland and Barrett around the corner from me. I went in there for me evening primrose and he'd be in there with his gorgeous little beautiful face. Sometimes his hair was a bit greasy. Don't get me wrong. That's just mm-hmm. my personal preference. And mm-hmm. once I even dropped in a little dry shampoo, I said, put some of that in your Mike Lindsay and you'll be fine. But you know, I adore Mike Lindsay. Now that music, oh my God, that's a bit different, isn't it, for you? It's a bit different. Yeah, I love it. It's a bit funky, isn't it? I, I adore it. I, I tell you what, we was playing a festival. What festival was that, Milky? Latitude it was. You was playing. Oh my God. Someone to put a little bit of magic mushroom in me Red Bull. I came in, wandered into the tent you was playing. I had an out-of-body experience, Laura. Oh, my God, I was on top of that tent doing the chumbawamba. That had to shoot me down. But tell me something. Well, yeah, that is absolutely bleeding. True as a... You tell me a bit about Lump. Lump. Ah, well, Lump is um, hopefully my ticket out of the folk music, the limited folk music genre. Do you think it's limited, though, the, the folk yeah. music for you? Because you're opening new worlds in that genre. You're making that genre popular again in mainstream because your latest album is an absolute hit, oh. wasn't it? Don't you think? Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's a nice way of looking at it. I've always found uh, folk to be a bit of a, what do they call it? Like a um, poison chalice. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It insinuates quite a boring genre for me. But, um, but hey, maybe I'm changing that. I think so. One feminine album at a time. Amen. Next one will be non-binary, if I've had my exactly. fill. Exactly. Hey. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> little, little duchess you yeah. out on there. Who knew? I could do a lump <laughs> one, though. I can imagine me on a lump album. I could give it all the... You definitely do lump. What else about lump? We have a sort of mascot that represents lump. He's a sort of a fabric yeti. Um, I'm actually just learning 3D software today because I'm trying to build a 3D I'm trying to render like a, of course a, you're a bleeding off. version of him. Bleeding Bill Gates over there. It's not enough yeah. just to be a, a platinum yeah. selling or probably, you know, whatever the be- better than platinum is. I don't know. Platinum selling artist, psychologist. Oh, do you know what I might do? I'll learn bleeding Photoshop whilst I'm at it. I'll get a BA honours in that. Bloody give us all a break, woman. Jeez. You're too talented. It makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> this is what artists are forced to do now because nobody's making any nobody's buying anybody's cds so we're going to have to keep having to back ourselves up i take it back i take it back i shouldn't have <laughs> chastised you for learning your own craft i take it back so was it freeing for you to do lump then because you, you got to be a bit experimental yeah i love lump. lump lump came into my life just at the right time i think i was so bored of laura marling and i still am and um lump two is coming out in the summer and it's the total opposite of Song for Our Daughter, very outward, where Song for Our Daughter's, you know, very inward, mm. which is fine, but um, it's like the complete inverse. It's the, it's, the, it's, it's the opposite impulse, which is fantastic. You're very instinctive, aren't you, as an artist? You really, you really move to the instinct, and if something bores you, just put it down. That's ever so courageous and brave, don't you think? Do you feel that? Thanks. Well, you just... Yeah, I mean, I'm quite... Uh, I'll do what I want. Yeah, selfish. I think selfish is the word. Yeah. <laughs> it has been called that, yeah. Well, no, because you, you do exactly what you want, but every time it's a roaring success. I mean, I have to say, like, is when I hear you say, oh, well, you know, you don't like Laura Marley. Well, I've, I mean, that would be horrible shame because the music you make and definitely that last album, the songwriting was, it harked back to a time. I mean, people don't write songs as beautifully structured as that and as affecting and genuine. And, you know, when I say you, everything you do, you do it from the heart and you really put everything into it and you can feel it. Like that album just oozed. Uh, it was just 
perfection, you know, artistic perfection. I'm blowing a lot of smoke here, I know, but I've got wow. to get it off my system because it just, I find it depressing that you're not, if you, I, I don't want you to not do another Laura album, is what I'm saying, because I'm being selfish now. All right, I'm just being bleeding selfish. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love Lump, for sure. And you'll see me on the front row, eyes full of ayahuasca. But the point is, I like those, I like those albums. It'd be sad that you wouldn't do more of those, but that's just me getting my little greedy I'll bit out. I'll do more. I'll do more just for you, but, um, no, I do. I do. I don't. I don't hate Laura Marling. I just. Um, it's like being bored of yourself, and it's you yeah, know. You're not some people have another persona that they enjoy that gives them a kind of freedom. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Well, imagine, imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine. Beautiful. Yeah. That'd be gorgeous. But you don't. You're just not challenged by it, are you? And that's the thing with you. You, you, you. You're hunting to be challenged, and you're hunting to be to be fought with. And I feel like, well, that's gorgeous. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. I like that hunting to be fought with. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. Yeah. yeah, you're hunting to be fought with. You want a challenge, you want a little confrontation, and that's where the magic bleeding happens. That's true. In my experience, that's true. I like to seek it out. Well, there's evidence there. Have you ever thought about writing a novel? A novel? Yeah, seriously. Um, not seriously. I'd like to. I get that. That's on my list of things I'd like to do. But then it's always crap, isn't it? Artists writing novels, songwriters writing novels. Not really. Apart from Bill Callahan, who wrote a fantastic novel, Patty Smith. That's not a novel. That's a bio. Nick Cave. Yeah, I haven't read any of Nick Cave ones. It's autobiography, but it's still beautifully written. He did that good film. He did, and and to be fair, it's sure they're autobiographical, but that's still writing a novel, isn't it? It's still writing. Yeah, I like know. to. I would like to write something at some point. I mean, I'm writing a lot for my studies at the moment, so that's given me that's put me off writing, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, well, that's different, though, isn't it? Because that's where you have to stop and do all the references, all those. I mean, I remember when Milky was doing his GCC not too long ago. Oh, my God. I tell you what, I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. Mice and men. Lenny. It was Lenny what did it or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was, but oh, my God, the amount of bleeding. Back in and forth in. We know it was Lenny. We get it. The little puppy's going to die. Okay. (laughs) Foreshadow much. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God, it's all over that book. But we were sitting there reading it, me and Milky doing the bleeding mice and men. And I tell you something, I had a migraine most nights. But so it's very different is what I'm saying, you know, with all that psychological yeah, stuff. Yeah. So do you have to have therapy whilst you're doing it? No, no, because it's not a clinical. You're not actually doing it. It's a theoretical thing. Yeah. No, I have I have been in psychoanalysis, but not, not for this. And do you think when people say that, so a lot of people say that psychoanalysis is a bit, they say it's pointless. Don't know. Not that I think <laughs> yeah. that, because I, I disagree. Yeah. But a lot of people say, well, what's the point in just sitting there and talking all the time? They think, oh, you've got to go down the cognitive behavioural therapy route where they teach you a little something every day. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely fair enough. You haven't got an argument against that? Not I that. could. I could argue both sides, maybe. You just can't be bothered. Yeah, I just can't be bothered. I mean, I see both sides. <laughs> okay, yeah, not right now. Not right but now, uh, Diane. <laughs> Do you mind? It's bleeding. Do you mind, Diane? It's Wednesday afternoon. Give me a break. Oh, what was that little noise? You having a little can of pop? <laughs> What's that? I was trying to do it quietly. It's La Croix. La Croix? I ain't never heard of it. Oh, I have. That's that sparkling water. La Croix much? Beautiful. Tasty. What flavour have you gone for? Oh, she's ever so elegant when she sips. Berry. Berry, berry. Berry flavour. Berry. Gorgeous. Berry, yeah. La Croix. Gorgeous. Do you have a... I was going to say, what's your favourite soft drink? And then I had a callback to that, me asking you about 15 times what your favourite all-you-can-eat buffet was. And could I get out something out of her? No, nothing, not a bean. We didn't even get it in the end. We just found out that she'd 
been with Milky and she'd had chicken nuggets without me. I'm absolutely disgusted. Now, you said earlier about your dad <laughs> and that you, you played the guitar to impress your father. I did. Go on. What were you going to say? I did, yeah. yeah. That was it. Okay, yeah, quote on quote. Now, he owned a studio, didn't he? He owned a studio, yeah. It shut down when I was quite young, but yeah. Oh, did it? Oh, okay. But didn't some... The Lars recorded that, didn't they? There she go. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Good research. She, they recorded that, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got me. Yeah. I've been on Ask Jeeves. I know what I'm doing. Have you got a musical family? My dad was a songwriter. and Well, he ran the studio and then he was a songwriter. So he's very musical. And then my sisters were both quite musical. You never thought about doing a little... Um, Jackson 5, the Marlin 3. I think he would have loved that, but I think I was the only one who took. Would have committed for the long haul. Yeah. And then I found out that you bought a little camper van recently, didn't you? I did. <laughs> you did, didn't you? Yes, Are I you going to come and visit yeah. us in Canvey? I'd love you're to. Are you going to come down and visit us in Canvey in your little camper I van? I bet you get nice evening sunsets there, don't you, on the Kent coast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can't see the sun through the, the steam coming from the petrochemical factory, but if you squint... Then you can kind of make it out. But I'll tell you something. I've got a lovely little patch of crazy paving out the front of the bungalow. You come down there. You can park up there. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you probably come with a little stove or something, but you don't need to worry because me and Milky and Ron will make you some nice dinner and stuff. And you could just have a little stay over, go down the little arcades. We've got a gorgeous little cinema there. If you ever want it, the offer's open. Laura, okay. honestly. Thanks, Diane. Definitely take you off on that. You can write your little non-binary folk album down there. Wicked, All right. Wicked, wicked. Little non-binary folk album. Yeah. Come, have you got a little have you got another album in the plan? I do, yeah. Started started work on it actually. You haven't. Oh my god, you make me sick to the core. Sick to the blue <laughs> core with your productivity. How do you manage it? I don't feel Quaaludes. <laughs> You on the Quaaludes? <laughs> that can only be the bleeding answer. She's got a, listeners. She's got a big old box of Quaaludes behind her. Yeah. That's bleeding why. Surely that's the only way you can do it. What's your working method? I don't. I don't feel very productive at all. But um, I guess I get up every day and put clothes on and sit in here until. Well, that's a start. What time? <laughs> what time do you get up though? Give me um, inside the early. office. You know, inside the mind of the artist. I get up at seven and uh, take the dog out. For walkies, and then uh, oh, I'm, I'm in here by nine-ish. That's a work ethic, Milky. Do you hear that? Something he needs to bleed and learn. Well, that's gorgeous. So, what's in your scrapbook for that one? What's in the magpie for that? Give us a little, give us a little taster, little exclusive. Yeah, what's in the Let magpie? Give us a little exclusive. Um, I'm using some riffs. I mean, it's not that they're not like thought magpies; they're more musical magpies. But I'm using some riffs from. A guy called Larry Carlton. I think Milky might be aware of Larry Carlton. He's nodding. He was sort of cringe, but Rykudery. He was like a cringe version of Rykuda instrumental. Oh, I know Rykuda came down the flick a couple of times. Oh, he would have loved the flick. He did a, a the music for a perfume advert for my one of my perfume adverts. Sticky Bud. Right. That was the perfume. Sticky right. Bud. It's a gorgeous right. scent of raspberry, acai, berry, and cherry. Wicked. It was gorgeous. But do you know what? There was too much alcohol in there and everyone got a rash. So we had to get them sent back. And it cost me a fortune, that music Raikuda did. Absolutely crazy. Mm. Would you know what? I'd love to hear a nice little... Have you ever thought about this? Because you've done the lump. What about a Laura Marlin Speed Garage album? Uh, Sign me up. Yeah. Gabba. Little Laura Marlin Gabba album. Yes, please. Ah, 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 ah. Something like that. It would sound bleeding gorgeous. I'd love it. I'd buy it. I'd pre-order. Avicii, you could do a little... Oh, maybe not with him. He's dead. <laughs> not Avicii. 
Shanks and Bigfoot. Right. I know Shanks and Bigfoot because I know Vanessa Phelps. So I could get you a little in there. <laughs> I reckon you two. Oh, my God. I've just had an idea. Christmas single 2024. Laura Marlin featuring Shanks and Bigfoot. 2024? <laughs> yeah, because they take a long time to work, those two. Right. You should see their Magpie album. Oh, my God. It's absolutely full to the brim. That's a terabyte. It's a terabyte in their Magpie album. Do you know what, Laura Marlin? I'm going to let you go now because I feel like I've taken up so much of your time, even though I've been absolutely gorgeous and I adore you. I'm going to have to let you go. That was so quick. It was quick, wasn't it? It worked. But do you know what? I've got a little treat for you. Okay. Me and Milky are going to improvise a little song for you now. <gasps> We're doing it for everyone on the podcast. Wow. And it's a little song inspired. I feel nervous now. I don't know about you, Milky, because I've got such an alumni on the show, someone of such high esteem that we're playing our musical song to. But this is a little song just completely written on the spot for you. Okay, we've done the same one for all the other guests we've had. I can't tell you who they are because that's a secret. And it's, I tell you what, it's bleeding good. Put it this way, you're the smallest guest. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, you're the biggest. Oh my God, is that a beautiful sound coming from Milky's guitar? This sounds like a beautiful song that's going out to Laura Marley, written exclusively by me, Diane Chorley, and using his little crusty fingers over there, covered in ketchup, Milky. You had a Cujon for dinner, I could still smell it in the air. Here we go. Who's that coming over the hill in a little van? She's got her radio on. She's playing Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. She's opened up the little glove compartment and there's a little silver box full of little travel sweets that she puts in her mouth. She's eaten a lot. Laura, welcome to Canvey. Nice to meet ya. Welcome to Canvey. Laura, welcome to Canvey. It's lovely to meet ya. Welcome to Canvey. She's got a little freezer box. She takes the top off. It's got little vegan nuggets and a little piece of salami. She's got 16 cans of La Croix. She's got 16 cans of La Croix. She's got 16 cans of La Croix. Very flavour. Oh, Laura. Welcome to Canvey. It's lovely to meet ya. <laughs> Welcome to Canvey. Laura. Welcome home to Canvey. You're on the crazy paving. Welcome to Canvey. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say a big thank you to my beautiful guest. Laura Marlin. Thank you for coming, my gorgeous babe. Oh, it was so nice. Thank you for having me, Diane and Milky. 
It's gone. It's gone so quick. I don't even know where the time's gone. It's 5:05. Beautiful time. You're probably gonna watch a little bit of countdown. I don't know. You're probably gonna have a nice little afternoon, I imagine. And so are we. And that leaves me the beautiful opportunity to say a very big thank you to my gorgeous guest, Laura Marlin, who's been absolutely beautiful and wonderful. And I'll say a big thank you to our gorgeous producers of this show, the gorgeous Chris Jones, my little gorgeous puffer lump, who's in the other room with a gorgeous little T-shirt on with my name and face on it. I'd like to say that this podcast was written by me, Diane Chorley, and the music you can hear is written by that gorgeous little spicy tornado in his sweaty little shirt and his gorgeous little face and I'd like to say thank you to Hattrick Productions podcast this is probably going to have to be recorded but who cares bye my beautiful babes at home you have a gorgeous afternoon we adore you I'm saying goodbye I'm signing off from Milky from me from Laura Marlin goodbye my beautiful babes That, my babe, was Radio Gold. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.